you know, it's challenging when the, the culture is to just let dogs say hi or to not have recall or to just let your dog go up to anyone. And so, you know, for me and people, other people that have reactive dogs, it's, you spend every, every second of your hike wondering when you're going to encounter that off-leash dog. Welcome to the Wear, Wag, Repeat podcast. I'm Tori Mystic. As a dog mom lifestyle expert, blogger, and business owner, I love talking to other women in the pet industry and sharing their advice with you every week. Sit, stay, and listen to the latest episode. In this episode, I got to talk to one of my favorite pet blogging friends, Jen Sotolongo of Long Haul Trekkers. Jen recently released her first book about hiking with dogs, published by Falcon Guides. As a blogger, I have heard for years people saying that writing a book is just like writing a whole bunch of blog posts. Is that really true? Jen told me all about the process in our conversation. We also discuss one of the hot topics of the year. I can't seem to go a day without seeing social media posts about off-leash dogs running amok. Now, I let my dogs off-leash all the time, so I had to ask Jen if I'm part of the problem. As an adventure dog expert and reactive dog mom, I really needed to get her thoughts on that. But before we dive into this episode and hear about all of the amazing things that Jen has to share, I want to give you one last reminder that enrollment in Marie Forleo's B-School ends very soon. I am so proud to be a partner for the program this year. It allows me to offer over $1,000 of petpreneur bonuses to people who sign up through my link, wherewagrepeat.com slash b-school. One of the bonus courses that you get from Marie immediately when you enroll is the follow-through formula. This is the exact system that Marie and her team used to get major things done, like writing a book. Thanks to that bonus and the rest of B-School, my business is more efficient and way more profitable than ever before. Learn all about the program, everything that it entails at wherewagrepeat.com slash b-school. And you can find that link in the show notes for this episode. Jen Sotolongo is the owner and writer behind the popular adventure dog blog, Long Haul Trekkers. In May 2021, she released her debut book, The Essential Guide for Hiking with Dogs, published by Falcon Guides. Jen lives in Portland, Oregon with her rescued cattle dog mix Sitka, where they enjoy trail running, camping, and road tripping to the mountains. Hey, Jen. Hey, Tori. How's it going? It's going really good. I'm so excited to have you here. Um, For those listening, Jen and I have been friends for years, and she's actually been on the podcast before, back on episode 13. (laughs) So you were an early adopter for sure. Yeah, it's, that was such a long time ago. I remember when you first launched your podcast, and here I am again. It's exciting. It feels like we've both done so many things since then. <laughs> we really have. It's it's amazing. It's incredible. Yeah. And so the reason why I wanted to have you on here this time again is because 
you just released this new book, which is really exciting um, and a huge accomplishment. Um, and so I want to, I just want to ask you some questions about it. Obviously you're on here. So, um, what did you have kind of like a long-term goal to write a book? Like, have you been dreaming of writing a book forever or did this opportunity just kind of arise? Kind of both. Um, I've always wanted to write a book since I was young. Um, and the book I had in mind was going to be more of a memoir style. And maybe that'll still happen one day. Um, but this one literally fell into my lap. The editor reached out to me and apparently I missed her email. And thankfully she followed up and I saw it and she was basically like, hey, we want someone to write a book about hiking with dogs. Do you want to be that person? And I was like, yeah. Yes, I do. <laughs> um, and originally this book was going to be something like the top 50 best dog-friendly hikes across the country. And when I submitted my proposal, I included snippets from, you know, like guidebooks kind of have like one or two chapters at the beginning that just kind of talk about basics of hiking or whatever. Um, so I submitted a couple paragraphs about, you know, what I would include in those chapters and then one hike description. And they got back to me and they said, would you rather actually write a book that's more about the basics of hiking with a dog? And then at the end, you have 50 hikes that are just really short descriptions of hikes that people can do across the country. And I was like, yes, that's, you know, both books excited me, but this one is something I'm so passionate about. Um, and so I was really excited for the, for the shift in the, in the content. So why, why are you so passionate about telling people about the basics, I guess? Um, I think because there's a lot of misconceptions about dogs and trail etiquette. And I have always had reactive dogs and hiking with them can be incredibly stressful and it's, you know, it's challenging when kind of the, the, the culture is to just let dogs say hi or to not have recall or to just let your dog go up to anyone. And so, you know, for me and peop other people that have reactive dogs, it's you spend every, every second of your hike wondering when you're going to encounter that off-leash dog. Um, and so my goal with this book is to just really educate people about the importance of managing your dog on the trail, the importance of really nailing down that recall if you want to hike with them off-leash. Other basic hiking topics that I think a lot of dog owners don't necessarily think about, like um, safety and carrying a first aid kit for your dog specifically and knowing how to use it, knowing what signs to watch out for, for things like um, heat exhaustion or hypothermia. Um, you know, how did even, you know, my book, I, I even talk about when you bring home your dog, what to do at home to get them ready for the trail. Um, so I just, I talk about a lot of those things that, that I don't think a lot of people think about or talk about or know about 
because we, you know, we get dogs, we just kind of get them, we bring them home and there's no, there's no guidebooks really. There's no, there's no books or anything about what to do with your dog. And so we kind of learn from friends and learn from what we see. And it's not always what's ideal for our dogs or for people and other dogs. So um, yeah, my goal is just to kind of teach people what, you know, the goal is for the trails to be harmonious for all that we can all enjoy the trails without having to worry about, you know, um, you know, off-leash encounters or just poor experiences. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think you're right. Just, you know, poor experiences kind of is a good blanket statement. Um, there's so many things I want to unpack. Like, so I, my dogs aren't, I wouldn't say reactive, but for years I never hiked with Lucy, you know, cause I had Lucy by herself for a while. Um, and I just never, ever hiked with her because it wasn't fun because if there was water around, like she was just so crazed to get in the water. And if it was a hike where we had to be on leash, which a lot are, um, I was like, yeah, I'm just not going to do that. We can't go. We just can't go because it was miserable. And so, you know, through training and like the right gear, you know, like uh, having a harness versus a collar, um, having a hands-free leash, you know, that goes around my waist just gave me so much better leverage and taking the right treats and conditioning her. And like, there's just so many things that make it a better experience. And now we go hiking like all over the place all the time. Uh, and we can even be in close proximity to water and not freak out. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) it's just like, doesn't sound exciting, but it is for me. (laughs) Um, but something else that you touched on, which I just, I feel like this is so important. And, and everyone who's listening here probably is like already with the program, but just like responsible dog ownership. Like we want our communities to be more dog friendly. We want to be able to take our dogs with us everywhere we go. Um, but you can't do that because certain people ruin it for everyone else. And that's just, that's just is what it is. You know, there's, um, there's a huge cemetery near me. That's really beautiful. And I would love to be able to walk the dogs around in there on leash Um, But it's no dogs, period, not even leash dogs, because like 30 years ago, someone's dog crashed a funeral. (laughs) Not good, not good, not good. Um, But because of that, um, according to legend, because of that, like that is why now no dogs are permitted at all in the cemetery. And so, you know, it it just kind of all comes back down. Like if people are more responsible everywhere that you take your dogs, then, you know, it sets a, a good example and, um, hopefully will kind of enlighten lawmakers and rulemakers to, you know, create new rules that are more dog friendly. Um, so it sounds like that's kind of one of the underlying things that your your message you're trying to get across a little bit. Would you say that? Yeah, I would say that. I think, yeah, kind of, redefining or rethinking what dog friendly really means. Cause I think for a lot of people, it means like, Oh, it's going to be a dog party. Like I can go to the brewery and bring my dog and there'll be lots of other dogs there and they can just, you know, go say hi to each other. But for me, a dog, you know, dog friendly means like you can bring your dog and all the dogs can be chill with their humans. And I don't have to worry about other dogs coming up to me while I'm trying to enjoy my beer with my friends. Um, 
And so I think, yeah, just having, honestly, (laughs) social distancing has been the greatest thing for dogs. Yeah. Crossing the street when you see someone walking towards you. I've been doing that for years, but now it's socially acceptable. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. And I hope it continues because it's, it's just been, it's been so great. I have to worry so much less about people coming up to me with their dogs and, um, I, yeah, I just, I hope it, I hope the trend continues. (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Um, okay. Another thing I want to ask you about, which I feel like we kind of have tiptoed around a little bit is, is covering controversial topics, not, not just in your book, but on social media too. Cause I've known you for years and I, I just remember you kind of, um, being hesitant to talk about, like e-collar training or balance training or any other kind of like controversial topic that, that comes up. Um, but you've really embraced that. And so tell us, tell us about what that's kind of done for you, um, by, you know, just, just, just going out there and sharing about these topics that some people are afraid to talk about. Yeah, it, it's been, well, in the beginning, it was, it was really scary to talk about those things because they're really misunderstood tools and, you know, people are really quick to jump to you're abusing your dog or you're hurting your dog or someone told me I can't call myself a vegan because I use an e-collar and just like crazy, like weird things, (laughs) just, you know, like makeup things. And, um, and so, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to kind of weave through the trolls and what makes it worthwhile is all the comment are all the comments that, you know, say like, oh my God, I can't stand my dog. I I've been trying this, you know, positive reinforcement only, and it's not working. It's so, it's so great to know there's another way. And, you know, I get, I get a lot more comments like that. And it, it sucks that the trolls are the ones that make the biggest impression and that hurt the most because of the ones that make you feel bad. But I really do get a lot more that are encouraging or thanking me for talking about these things. And those are the ones that make me, you know, hit publish every time I feel scared to talk about something. And, you know, I, I just try and talk about, talk from my own experience because I, not Sidka, but a dog I had before, I couldn't stand her. I didn't want to go running with her. I didn't want to take her hiking. I didn't, I didn't want to do anything with her. I wanted to leave her home. And she's, she's kind of the reason that I learned about balance training and e-collars. And I never got to do that type of training with her, but I knew when I got Sidka, that's what I would do. And it's just given me such a, it, it, it allows me to communicate so much better with, with him than I've been able to communicate with any other dog I've had. I don't, if I drop the leash or if his leash becomes unattached, I don't, you know, freak out. Even if it's, you know, on a street, I'm like, Oh, you know, I just, I'm like, Oh, like, I know he'll, he'll stay with me or I know I can still have a way of communicating with him. Um, and he really does have more freedom than any dog I've had because I know he can be off leash. I know he will recall back a hundred percent of the time. And, you know, those are the things I, I talk about. I try and talk about my story with, with the other dog, Layla was her name. 
Um, and that it just like, you don't have to hate your dog. You know, there's, there's another way. If something's not working, there is another way. And, you know, I also try to make sure that I, that I also say there's, there's no one way to train your dog. If what you're doing is working and if you're happy with your dog, then great. You know, these are the tools I use. You might prefer other tools. And if, if they work, then great. But if they're not, then there's other ways and you don't yeah. have to be afraid to try something different just because, you know, people say that, you know, that it, that it's causing harm or, you know, any, any tool, a collar, a harness, a lead, anything can cause harm to a dog if it's not used correctly. So it's, it's all about how it's implemented. Right. Well, and plus there's people on the internet who will attack you for anything that you do. Someone will say, feeding your dog kibble, you're a terrible dog owner. Or giving your dog a milk bone, oh my God, you're canceled. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, so people people do get worked up about a lot of things, but I think it's really brave of you to to share things that might bring you criticism because, you know, it does help so many people. And I think that a lot of these training tools or, you know, any kind of tools that we use with the dogs, it's really the intention that you have behind it that makes it good or bad. Um, I don't know. I don't want anyone to criticize me for that statement, but (laughs) I think that's true. Do you want to make money and make a difference? Marie Forleo's B-School is an online program that teaches you how to run a profitable, values-driven business that will profoundly change the quality of your life. I'm an alumni of the course, and after learning so much and implementing it in my own pet business, I decided to become the only pet industry B-School partner. If you're interested in enrolling in this live summer session, sign up through wherewagrepeat.com slash B-School, and you'll also get access to over $1,000 worth of petpreneur bonuses, including all of my own online courses about marketing with Pinterest, Instagram, and branded merch. Enrollment closes very soon. So head over to wherewagrepeat.com slash bschool today. So another thing I really want to talk about um, that is controversial-ish, I guess, um, that you've really kind of, you post about all the time on social media is off-leash, Okay. (laughs) Yes. Okay. I really wanted to talk to you about this because if you don't mind my sharing my opinion, (laughs) my feelings. (laughs) Um, So I see all your posts that are like, uh, you know, about off-leash Karens or, you know, (laughs) these, uh, you know, leash your dog, this and that. Now I'm someone who loves having my dogs off-leash. I purposefully seek out places where we're allowed to do that or places that don't say you're not allowed to do that. Um, and I purposefully go places at off hours when no one's around. And I also have pretty good recall on my dogs and their safety is my number one concern at all times. So I think I'm doing it responsibly, <laughs> but sounds like it. <laughs> okay. But I just get a little bit like, um, triggered, I guess, maybe when I see the whole like leash your dog, because people have said that to me in the past, probably not in the last, like, since I've had these dogs, probably with like my old dog. Um, and you know, we learned so much and I can't even remember the situation when people would yell that at me, but 
people have definitely yelled that at me. So sometimes when I, when I see the posts that are like, leash your dog, it, it just like triggers these like bad memories yeah. of people criticizing me. So, so when is it okay <laughs> to have your dog off leash? <laughs> and when is it not? Yeah. So, um, I, I think being off leash is an earned privilege. So if your dog doesn't recall, you know, close to 100% of the time, every time on the first time you call them, they, you need to keep working with them. Um, and that means they need to recall off of food, off of other dogs, off of animals, off of water, you know, whatever. They need to be able to come to you when you call them. Um, and it's, it takes a lot of work to build that recall. Like it's, it's not going to happen in a week. It takes, it can take months. Or um, and it's, it's a lot of work. It's mm-hmm. a lot of work. And I often say dog training is boring because you have to start inside your house where it's a very, very boring place. And then you can like go to your yard which is also a boring place. And then maybe you go to your street, like literally just your street, not like your block, not the neighborhood, but your street. And so you just kind of build up to bigger and bigger places over time. And that's what it takes to kind of, you know, shape, shape the kind of dog, you know, I want, I'll say, um, but to shape like a really well-behaved dog um, that can tolerate different stimuli and triggers and, and things like that. Um, so this is probably going to be an unpopular opinion, but I personally don't care if your dog is on or off leash, even if it's a leashed area, if you're managing your dog. Now, granted, if I'm hiking on an on-leash trail, my dog's on leash. I follow the rules, but there's a beach by my parents' house where I grew up. And you're supposed to have your dog on leash. I go early in the morning. There's no one there. I can see for miles. I let my dog off leash. And I, you know, I, I am okay with that, you know, and, you know, there might be people that will criticize me for that. But I, my opinion is that if you're managing your dog and there's not, you know, a thousand dogs around that are also, you know, breaking the rules, if everyone's breaking the rules, then I don't, I don't care, you know, or if it's like a very sensitive area and your dog is off leash and like Trump, like, you know, jumping through the, the fields, the wildflowers or whatever, like that's not okay. But I, I don't care if your dog's on or off leash, as long as you're managing your dog, that's all I care about. And I think going back to, you know, please leash your dog. Um, the, it is a trigger word for people. And I think, you know, a lot of dog owners take it personally when someone says that to them. And, you know, I don't know why that is. I think, I think maybe people feel like, uh, I don't know, my dog is like, they saying my dog is a bad dog or, or it's like my dog's not trained or called out being, on doing something that, you know, you're not supposed to be doing. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And so what, what I've been saying lately that seems to result in fewer angry people, um, fewer people that yell at me, um, is would you please make sure your dog does not approach mine? 
Mm. So that's what I've been using. Sometimes I still get weird stares. Sometimes people still ignore me. The other, like recently, some guy told me maybe I shouldn't be hiking. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I still get that all the time, but it's a higher success rate of less yelling, people saying, okay, because for whatever reason, it sounds less triggering to people. So that's what I've been using. Yeah. Um, no, that's really because it kind of puts it on you. You're like, I'm, I'm the one with like a problem. Not really though, but you're kind of telling them it's not their fault. Like you just don't want their dog near you. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Well, that makes me feel a lot better because, you know, I see all this like off-leash Karens and I'm like, oh my God, am I an off-leash Karen? (laughs) But I don't think I am. (laughs) I don't think you are. (laughs) I don't think so. It's more, it's more about the people that that whose dogs don't have recall, the people who are just like letting their dogs do whatever they want and not paying attention to them. Like when my dog is off leash, it's so much mental work for me. Mm-hmm. I'm constantly, you know, making sure he's within sight. I'm recalling him back on every turn and every hill. I'm recalling him back whenever we see dogs and people. Like it's it's so much work for me, the owner, and that's how it should be. Like your dog gets to have the freedom. But the the human needs to be the one, you know, doing the work. And, you know, often that means if I'm with a friend, you can't really my dog talk. comes first. So yeah. if we're in the middle of a conversation and I just need to interrupt randomly and recall my dog, then that's, you know, what happens. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, it's more about the people that are just letting their dogs do whatever they want and go up to people or saying, my dog's friendly, it's okay. Or my dog's a puppy, like the ones that are making up excuses because they know their dog doesn't have recall. And so Mm -hmm. they're just kind of like fingers crossed that nothing happens, but that's, (laughs) that's not okay. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I think it is good to call it out because, you know, shame is a huge motivator. So if we, you know, with good intentions, embarrass people a little bit about their bad behavior, then they might be motivated to, to fix it a little bit. Um, so shifting gears a little bit, um, the process of writing a book. So some people have told me, oh my gosh, you should write a book. It's like, basically just imagine writing a bunch of blog posts. It's just like, a, just think about it. You sit down, you write a long blog post, and then you write another long blog post and you put them all together and voila, you've got a book. Is it like that? Or would you say that it's a lot more harder than that? This book was very much like that because of my blog content. Um, It was really a lot of the chapters were literally just going through my blog posts and elaborating on them, updating them essentially for my book. Um, Yeah. So a, a book like this one that I wrote, yes, it's exactly like that. The hardest part were the hikes because it's hard to write descriptions or hard for me to write descriptions of things, especially places I've never been. And, you know, I was scouring through all trails and local hiking groups and hiking pages because I get to pick one hike for every state. I'm like, I hope I picked a good one. And so, you know, I tried to pick ones that weren't too crowded, but weren't too difficult and weren't too short, but weren't too long. And so that was the hardest part. But yeah, this was it's basically like one, it's like my blog in a book. <laughs> yeah. Well, and one of, the, one of the cool things I like about the book is that you also have some contributors too. So what was the process of asking people to do that? 
Um, that is one of my favorite parts of this book because it gave me the opportunity to highlight other voices and also include um, topics on on things that I don't necessarily have experience with um, that I wanted to have in this book. And everyone, I think, I, I'm pretty sure I had nine, nine or 10 contributors. I met every single one of them on Instagram, which is kind of incredible to think that. Um, and so I have my friend, Jessica, who wrote about hiking with small dogs. So, you know, I've hiked, I hike with her all the time, but you know, I'm not the one handling her dogs. She is, and she's the one doing everything with her dogs. So I can talk some about hiking with small dogs, but she's the expert or another friend, Joanna wrote about, um, muzzles. One of her dogs is highly reactive and she's, she's learned to muzzle him so that they can go out in public and on the trails and enjoy the trails while keeping him and others safe. Um, you know, Hannah, who you've had on the podcast, she wrote about pack walks. They do a weekly pack walk for, um, I think it's all kinds of dogs, meaning like all reactivity levels, but I think it's, it's really specifically for reactive dogs. And so they go on these pack walks every week and it's been, you know, really helpful for her dogs to have reactivity. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I just picked people that are kind of experts in, in like one specific area and they got, you know, like a page and a half in my book. And it was, yes, yeah, it, it was just really fun to, to be able to have those voices in this book. So yeah. It wasn't just mine, you know? No, that's one of my favorite parts of it too, because, you know, I'm flipping through. I'm like, oh, I know them. I know them. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Jessica has been on the podcast too. So, um, oh, yeah. yeah. So I'm like, oh, <laughs> I really know them. <laughs> um, okay. One other question that I, that I want to ask you about the book, because this is just like a personal question that is always kind of running through my mind when I think about putting a book together is the photos. So like you have a bunch of different photos that you've taken over years because there's some of Sora. She's on the cover, yes, right? And yep. how do you manage your photo files? Because I take photos. <laughs> this might be like too technical, but I take photos on my camera. I downsize them to like small JPEGs, put them on my blog so that they're not like overloading my blog and making it slow. But then I'm like, do I have to save? Should I save a high-res version in case I ever want to like print it out or be in a book or something like that? Like, how do you manage those files? It just seems like a lot to figure out. It is a lot, especially when you get a new computer, which I did earlier this year. So it's, I don't even think I've still transferred all of them over. <laughs> but so I use Lightroom. Um, so I just upload everything to Lightroom and it stores all of the raw files there somewhere. It's not on my cloud. Com- oh, they are my, com- they are my computer. But they're in the I, Adobe, Adobe they're cloud, in that cloud somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I have, I always have my raw files. Whenever I upload, I, I try and upload after every trip or photo session. And then I go through immediately and I delete all the ones that I don't want. And I star all the ones that I do. Um, and then when I'm saving them for Instagram or for my blog, I have, I have them on my computer, um, by year and then by place 
And then by, so it'd be by state really. So it'd be like Washington, Oregon, wherever I take photos and then by hike or whatever activity it was. Um, and those are all the ones that are for Instagram that are kind of in, in my blog that are low, you know, not high res. And so, yeah, having the the raw files is hugely helpful for times when you need a cover photo for your book. When or someone I, says, hey, would you write a book? Yeah. Yeah, it's good to or have that. I've had uh, another photo on the cover of a magazine and needed a high res photo for that. So, you know, you just never know mm-hmm. when you're going to need to blow up your photo. So um, it's I think it's a good idea good idea to keep the raw files or high res, you know, whatever, if you don't shoot in raw, but yeah. And it's also nice, you know, for those who are photographers, if they want to blow up a photo for their house. Um, I have some that are on canvas prints and they came out great. And um, so that's just, you know, fun, easy way to decorate your house too. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. Thanks for that. Because I'm just like, I just never know what to do. I feel like my computer <laughs> hates me already because I have so many files on it. <laughs> um, I also have, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. So I also, my brother, my lovely computer geekery brother, um, I talked to him often about this. I'm like, I don't know what to do with my photos. Uh, so he got me, I don't know what it stands for, NAS, NAS, mm. um, which is like an external, uh, it, it's like a external hard drive, but it's like, I don't have to, it's like connected to my internet. Okay. So it's, I don't have, I can, plug, you don't have to plug in. I don't have to plug it into my computer, but I can mm-hmm. access it from my computer. So he got I me that. that. Yeah. It's, I love it. I'm going to look yeah. that up. So Jen, tell everyone where can they, where can they find your book? Um, and how can they, how can they find you online? Sure. My book is available in all the major bookstores online and, um, in store. So Amazon, Barnes and Noble, REI, which I saw in person recently, which is really exciting. That's Powell's, awesome. Yeah. Powell's bookstore in Portland, if you're in the area. Um, and then, um, I have a page on my site that links to other places like bookshop.com and indie books. So you can get it in Canada, you can get it worldwide as well. Um, and my, blog is long haul trekkers with an e not trekkers t r e e there's t r e k k e r s dot com and i'm on instagram at long haul trekkers well thank you so much thanks for sharing um and and talking about controversial topics <laughs> with me thanks for and asking also, about controversial topics <laughs> yeah i mean it shouldn't be but it is um yeah and i i really do enjoy your book so much so thank you for writing it thank you thank you what did you like most about this episode find me on instagram at team mystic and let me know what intrigued you or what questions you have about starting or growing your own dog-inspired business. You can also screenshot this episode and tag me in your stories. I love to see who is listening out there. Some of the best conversations happen after the episode, right? So track me down over on Instagram or join the Wear, Wag, Repeat Labs Facebook group to connect with other dog-obsessed entrepreneurs. And as always, you can find all the links and resources discussed in this episode at wherewagrepeat.com slash podcast. See you back here next week.